You're listening to the Salty Sex Cast with Mariah and friends. Minimize the fear. Expand your awareness. Hello, all you sexy people. It's Mariah again. I have a new friend. I'm really excited to introduce you all to. It has been a back and forth. The universe is telling us one thing, but we're going to still, and we're going to try and get it together and record this episode. So I'm so excited to have Jolie Hamilton with me. And she has been a wonderful resource for myself around polyamory, um, shame, relationships, modern relationships. And so I'm so excited to just have her on here, bend her ear for you and for myself. So welcome, Jolie. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Mariah. It's a pleasure to talk to you because when I listen to your show, I'm like, that is a person who's delving, delving, and that makes me happy. (laughs) Ah, thank you. Yeah. It's my curiosity. I can't turn off, but I try to keep it respectful curiosity, right? I don't want to shame anyone or judge anyone, but I just want to know. And I want people to know about all sorts of things. Um, so you have a background in wanting to know things as well. So what is your background? What brought you to the here and now? Yeah. So yeah, curiosity is definitely my driving force. Um, I have a doctorate in Jungian and archetypal psychology. And what that means is I studied the, the older psych, the stuff that came before behaviorism. I studied that. And what happened is I did that while I was also embarking on becoming a sex researcher. So I also am a certified sexuality educator and all of that combined has wound up making me, well, an expert in a couple of sort of touchy topics, um, non-monogamies and jealousy. Mm. And so I take all of that really seriously because I started by making a lot of mistakes myself. I studied my way out of a lot of problems when I opened my relationship and tried to figure out how to do this well. So I have this great academic background now. I've gone and gotten all the psychology degrees and and also I've just lived the life of somebody who's trying to have a relationship that actually works for me, trying to have multiple relationships that work for me and trying to do it while using relationship as my individuation process, the way I get to become more and more aware of who I am in the world, like why I'm here at all. yeah. So I'm, I'm here for the whole mess, the full catastrophe, <laughs> the full catastrophe and enjoying it and having fun and exactly being able to experiment, um, and not being afraid of that failure or stumble and everything and taking that expertise and sharing it with others. So that's what I love. You don't just keep it to yourself. You're here to share your message. Um, so a little bit more onto your background, when was it that you decided to open up your relationship? Give us a little bit of background of that. Cause yeah. I know a lot of people are there. It is not that polyamory and non-monogamy is becoming more mainstream, but it's becoming more available. We have healthier examples to model off of as well. It's not so taboo. And so I think a lot of folks are like, is this for me? Am I having these same feelings, um, or fears or worries? So I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Yeah. So I think you're right. It's not that polyamory is not new. Non-monogamy has been with us since time immemorial. However, 
um, the way that the internet works, the way that our cultural stuff works right now is we're having more conversations about it. And those conversations are less shaming because we've mm -hmm. entered an era where lots of people like you are saying, hey, just because something doesn't sound like it's for us doesn't mean we have to shame it. And when I first came out, when I first realized that I wanted an open relationship, it was 2009. Um, we weren't nowhere, <laughs> but it was rough. Um, we didn't have, I couldn't just go to my local Barnes and Noble and find much of anything at all. I did find one book, The Ethical Slut by Dossie Easton. It was, thank God, you know, that was there, but it wasn't enough um, because what happened was I was taking a marriage that was not firmly in like firmly established with a good foundation of emotional care and, and self-care. Right. And I wanted more wanting more when you don't have something firmly <laughs> um, built is rough. And what really happened was I, I didn't, I couldn't find any guides, but I could find lots and lots of examples of people who were trying stuff. So I entered into that realm. It was just a lot of people who were trying stuff. They were trying mm -hmm. to figure out how to do multiple love relationships and they were trying to do it successfully. And so, yeah, talk about stumbles and fails and falls. I had four biological children at the time. The person that I fell in love with and wanted to create a life with um, and, and his wife, they had three biological children. And so we combined our families and well, <laughs> you can imagine that that was not a smooth process. So there was there were multiple layers. If you think about the, the layers of social context that were holding us, oh, they yeah. were each of our families, then the larger family that we started to create together, and then our neighborhood and our schools and our everything, like our city, everything was holding us with really not a lot of acceptance. So it was mm -hmm. rough. It was rough as hell, honestly. It was yeah. not pretty, not pretty at all. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like that. <laughs> Oh, oh, absolutely. And, and there is a big fear and there is a big stigma around that. You know, it's, it's one thing to say, oh, I have two moms or two dads. We're right. slowly getting there on society. We're still really behind the times. Um, but to say I have multiple people, multiple parents living under the same roof and right. you know, you're going to see this mom and that mom and this dad and that dad come to parent teacher conference or, and we're all going to be together. It's not stepmom, stepdad, all of that. So it's, right. it's, it's very hard. It's very hard to explain it, um, in a way that doesn't shut folks down and immediately goes to judgment. Right. Um, right. oh, you're just right. sex crazed. You guys are weird hippies. Um, you, uh, in Utah, we get a lot of, oh, polygamy and right, it's sure. like, <laughs> you have an example. We like, do. No, we have that no. example, ah. but it's not healthy in the form that it's been media in like in the media yeah. mediaized. Am exactly. I just making up words at this point? But, it works. um, <laughs> and so it's, how do you explain that to someone when it is just a, a crossing of a teacher? saying hi, to introduce yourself, go volunteer in a class, to coach a, you know, little league, anything like that. That's, that's difficult to answer. Right. So right. we're talking wins. about paradigm shifting. Oh, oh, right? absolutely. Yeah. Like, so it, it does, it messes with people's like idea of what is. Mm -hmm. So I understand why people freak out like yeah. that. It makes sense that it would, if even if you're listening to this and thinking like, I like, why can't people just chill? Why can't people just 
Like this is complicated. I get it because it would be simpler if everything were simpler, but that is just not how humanity Mm -hmm. is. We're complicated. Mm. Any wins during that time navigating? I'm sure there was a lot of lessons learned. And so we don't need to hash all of that out. Um, but what were some major wins that you were like, I, I will do this again. And this is the example I want to show others. Yeah. So something that was a real win is when I, when I started making this new relationship, we, we experimented. And this is actually how I work with people now. We started, um, and this is in part because the partner who I was primarily um, enthralled with, right? There was someone who I was just like enthralled with. I was learning from him every day. He was trained as a scientist. He has a background in chemical engineering and physics. And so Mm -hmm. he started thinking about, well, how do we make this new family system work? And we were being very experimental (laughs) about it, right? Like, let's see, let's try this and see how it goes. And that has worked really well. And what, what I've done is taken that and built it into a, a more frameworked system of, okay, what is the experiment that we're doing? So rather than just say, let's go try stuff, we'll throw spaghetti at the wall. Instead, we get intentional about saying, this is what we're experimenting with right now. And we always start in the imaginal rather mm-hmm. than starting in the physical, which is where people often assume like that sex crazed imagination opens up, right? They assume that we want to jump into the deep end of the pool and have sex with lots of people. I say like, let's start with the imaginal. Let's start with sharing what our fantasies are. Let's start with getting comfortable being able to talk about multiplicity in love. And let's get comfortable deepening our friendships because if we can deepen our friendships, then really we're 90% of the way there because what is a romantic relationship then... It's a deep friendship that has this little, this little plus, right? It's a deep relationship that then we like turn something else on. And so that experimental mode, um, one of the big experiments right out of the gate was how do we talk to the kids about this? How, mm-hmm. how do we explain this to the kids? And we, we tried a lot of different things because the kids, ex- they understand things at different stages differently. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So we had to revisit this as they were growing up, as they were coming of age themselves. And finding out that in fact, experimenting, let us get better at doing it. So the younger kids actually got a, they got a better introduction, right? Like as they became self-aware enough to take this in, well, we had, we had better ways of explaining it. And that experimental foundation also let us explore what it is that we wanted out of an intimate sexual connection together. And Mm -hmm. so that's, again, I take that into everything. Like just because you want one set of things with one partner doesn't mean you're going to want that, that same set of things sexually, emotionally, intimately with another. And that's fine. It, if we can do that, if we can be really conscious about it, then anything's possible. You know, I, I found out right away that kink is part of some of my relationships. Kink is not part of all of my relationships. That's a really good thing to know. And I yeah. wouldn't know that if I hadn't experimented. Ah. And being fully aware of what's going on internally, you have to be able to reflect on what is happening. I, I did like this. I didn't like that communication by far is always the first thing everyone says, but I feel like there's something before communication and that is being aware of yourself. And just like you said at the beginning, and I'm not going to eloquently put it as you did, (laughs) but, um, this relationship, these relationships, the way you've chosen those is helping you learn about you and experience the world. Um, that is 
absolutely the reason why I love non-monogamy and my own experience with it, not because I was able to um, let go of some of the fear or the um, even certain pieces of jealousy, you trade it off with others. Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, there's certain insecurities that you're like, okay, cool. But now I have a new set, <laughs> yep. but being aware of that and now saying, okay, now I know, um, is really being allowed to feel for another person. Holy mm. smokes. And not being fearful of this is just a friendship. This is a friendship of someone with the same sex, but it's a deeper friendship. Am I gay? You know, it's the so worried of like, now I have to change my label. Now I have to go down this road instead of just being like, I'm really comfortable with where this is at right now. And I've noticed this for myself. Cool. Yeah. It is all of a sudden I'm questioning, or now I have to go down this polyamory route instead of just saying, you know, I actually have some some strong romantic feelings for this person. Doesn't mean I'm going to act upon them, but it's really cool to admit right. that and admit that to a trusted partner is even cooler. So totally. Oh, you are, you are so down the area that I love so much. You named a couple big things. One, just being able to tune into your body. I came very late to being able to be in my body. I lots of trauma when I was a kid, many of us had, you know, high a score, all of that. And it meant that it was hard to be at home in my body. So as I was trying to figure out what I felt and develop a relationship that worked for me, yeah, I had to also be doing my own work. I had to be continually peeling back who I thought I was and, and just all the armoring. There was so much armoring that was keeping me from really not being able to both know and then express what was working. And as time went on, it became clearer and clearer that that was going to be the real work forever. So now 13 years later, still when I'm, when I'm first with someone new, I'm, I'm finding I have to return to my original tools of what's going on in my body. What are the messages I'm getting about whether this is a good connection for me, or whether this is a challenging connection and maybe challenging in a good way or challenging in a way that is repeating patterns that I actually am trying to move away from. Hmm. And absolutely that includes my friendships. It's, yes. I really don't understand why we don't transfer more of our relational skills, all the work many of us do to have good romantic relationships. It really transfers into friendship mm -hmm. just so long as we can be clear that just because I am deeply invested with you, or I even feel romantically toward you, that doesn't mean I can't be consensual and have real conversations about where our boundaries are, right? Yes. Because in fact, there is no boundary. I mean, I, I remember being in college and holding hands with girls and I was by and they weren't, and that was fine. What we were doing was actually just hanging out and holding hands. We, we were in all girls being, school. Yeah. It was just connected. It was just normal. We were just connected. Right. Mm -hmm. But because we talked about what the boundaries were, it was fine. And what I find is when people can talk about that, they can talk about what they're feeling inside and be honest about it, then they can actually negotiate a boundary in a friendship and a romantic relationship or a sexual relationship. And often though, only one person in a given relationship can do that. And so then they bear the weight of it mm. for both people. And that's a place I have found I've lost romantic partners and friendships because the other person isn't ready to fully own like what it will look, take to go inside and really check in with what's going on. Mm. And so they push away because they're like, it's, it's actually just fear of intimacy. It's fear of like, oh, I'm really going to yeah. face this. Damn. Yeah. yeah. Uh -oh. 
I have to turn the mirror on me. That's scary. Cause now yeah. I can't blame anyone. If it goes awry, I can't right. turn, you know, around and say it's your fault or you did this. Um, you made me feel this way. It is more of, I have to take ownership for all of that growth or not, <laughs> or lack right. of growth. You still take ownership of it. I think that's right. such a big piece for most folks in this day and age is, um, and I know that's another, I don't want to say pitfall, but maybe wrong assumption of polyamory is you're looking for multiple people to fix you or make you a better person. And so you need that, you need a, a community to make that lift lighter than it's just one person. Um, I know some folks maybe start polyamory in that way and maybe not even, I don't, like they're completely unaware. Consciously, yeah, yeah, exactly. Unconsciously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Looking to, and, and I think where you're going is, is important because if you're looking to get each of your needs met by another person, that is always an indicator to me that like, well, let's check in and make sure that you know what those needs are. And you're actually at least attempting to meet them yourself mm-hmm. because you might want to get those needs met outside of you. But a lot of times that's it's pointing the, the way to another path of self-inquiry, another path of knowing yourself. And you, you've like, you've got this wonderful indicator right there. This, the interest you have in getting these needs met, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be about collecting all the Pokemon. It can be about, Oh, I feel seen and heard by this person. Do I, is it about this person or I'm actually using them? Am I, am I using them because I'm not turning to myself? I'm not willing to actually go inside and be with myself. This is a, that's a tricky thing to figure out. It takes, it takes some serious willingness to, yeah, turn the mirror on yourself. Like you said, it's, and it's not pretty, it's uncomfortable, but it's so powerful to be able to take those first steps, ask yourself, Um, and sometimes it does need to, it needs to be a wake up call of like, you know what I've been experimenting and this is still continually being, um, either unsuccessful to my definition of success, or I'm just running into roadblock after roadblock. Why to be able to sit there and ask why, and not just keep experimenting over and over again until you're exhausted of any, you know, different (laughs) things. Yeah. Yeah. You're, that's something that I have to remind myself of because just because I'm extroverted doesn't mean I want to be pointing all of my energy outward. And because my, my philosophical commitment is to individuation is to becoming more myself every day as an extrovert, I have to remind myself that that doesn't mean that I have to be out in the world, pointing all of my energy out. I can enjoy Mm -hmm. that extroverting energy and still return to Right. And my, my inner psychological work is mine to do. And while I share that with different partners, it's not their responsibility. They become part of my process, but it's, it's not their job to do. And that's certainly, I don't know about you, but in my twenties, that is absolutely what I played out in my first marriage. I was like, my psyche is yours to take care of. And your psyche is mine to take care Mm -hmm. of. Let's do this. The only reason I should know what my need is, is so I could tell you so you could fill it. Right. That's the only reason. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then you add in multiple partners to that, and it becomes really easy to imagine that if you just collect the right assembly of people, you'll finally feel whole. Yeah. Yeah. You you pick up 10% of this need 
you're going to do a good lift of that need. Oh, you know, I need another person because I'm still a little short over here. And that's not how it is. It's more of being aware and, um, at least for my journey. And I don't want to ever say you're doing it polyamory wrong. If this isn't someone's story right now. Um, but I have noticed those big pieces for myself and, um, so much so where it was like, I need to go back to me, just me. And I'm like, can, I would love to just be able to say, now that I know all this, can I just shut off all relationships, work on me for a little bit, just pause all of those. And of course I can't, because that's not fair to those folks, especially my, my spouse, um, and we've been married for 11 and a half years and I can't just be like, Hey, I need to work on myself. Can you just right. chill for like six months? You know? Um, right. Like, yeah, it'll be fine. But once you kind of have that opening and that realization, it was like, okay, wow. And, and, you know, and I'm actually coming to a lot of huge realizations right now. So I'm just going to work this out Do <laughs> it. Do it for the whole world to listen. But, you know, I have noticed he's been asking so much. He's like, are you Okay everything going, you've been so quiet lately and so quiet. And that's rare, right? I am extroverted. I obviously talk my feelings out and I work things out, but I've been able to, with a lot of those things kind of just introspect and reflect by myself and I can lean on myself for that. It's really cool. So this is brand new thing from maybe not brand new, but I'm tapping into it far more. (laughs) Yeah. So a brand new realization. Um, but that's, that's an interesting thing. I'll have to tell him. That's what I discovered today in the podcast. I'm like, you know, I think I've been this quiet because I'm trying to do this for myself that I don't have to tell you my whole day to work through everything. And, um, anyway, (laughs) no, I think that's an important part about, um, relating is to, is to let your partner always be becoming right. So you just having that realization right now, there's something you can bring to him and say, I found something new and his ability then to be with you and to be present to, oh, you're changing, you're growing. You aren't going to be the same person the whole time. That is exactly what I think of. I don't care how many partners you have. That's looking at the world through the lens of multiplicity, right? You're always going to be growing and changing. And um, my husband and I, we focus on the idea of growth over comfort. So we committed in our marriage vows to being committed to each other's growth path more than our own comfort path. And, and it's pieces of information like you just named, like, oh yeah, that could be really uncomfortable. If, when I bring something like that to my partner, he may feel less valuable to me. Or like, wait, that, but that was my role. That's what I did. Our, our norm, right? Right. Are you not going to need me anymore? If you can provide that for yourself. And it's more of, um, no, I'm really happy that I don't have to lean on you, but I want to, it is now a choice instead of an automatic unconscious thing. Um, then we can use some of the other mental energy growing somewhere else, instead of me just always expecting you to help me navigate my brain. (laughs) That's exact. That is so spot on. That's, that is the path of the individuation partnership, right? There's two people who are committed to walking, not at the same pace, but to walking their own path and continually being present to the path that their partners also on their own journey, on their own path. Mm -hmm. 
And that's a joy. That's a pleasure. And so I have really a relationship, a core anchor partnership that's like that. And then I have other partnerships that are more about enjoying what we're doing in the present moment and aren't that long-term anchor partnership. But you can also have more than one of those. And so every time you multiply your, your ability to relate, I also think it opens up space for the potential for you to go deeper with another friendship or another romantic partner, mm-hmm. right? The potential's there because you're not relying on your dyad to hold up everything in your relationship. Doesn't it's mean you have to, order. but you could, <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's the place where I think when people say, well, it's unreasonable to have all your needs met by one person. It absolutely is. That's true. But you're also a person. So you already have two, even in a monogamous relationship, you've already got two. And then we can just start looking at, well, and what about our friendships? So before we get too worried about what, you know, polyamory has for us, we can think about, exactly. We can think about, well, what if it is about multiple love and what does love mean to me? And what parts of me will I be sharing? Will Mm -hmm. it be something like that? Like, do you have another friend in your life that it would be valuable to say, oh, I'm actually, I'm pulling back a little bit because I'm doing my work. This isn't about you. And it's not about the strength of our bond. It's actually demonstrating that our bond is stronger than ever. And I want to do my work. And so it's going to look a little different. And then actively deciding what that different will then look like. Because I've had a similar conversation with my anchor partner and, and I stopped using his brain to verbalize all of my stuff. And so we, we actually found out that we had about five or six hours of our life back every week. Like we, we could go do other things because Mm -hmm. I had been, yeah, downloading everything and like work, 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 work it all through. Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't need to do that. So we started running together and we didn't like, I didn't, I didn't need that time. So we just chose another thing to do together. It was great, but we could only do that because we were consciously creating the relationship. We were really thoughtfully saying, oh, that will change how this works. Mm -hmm. It'll change how it looks. Um your relationship now or relationships will always change. And I think uh, so many fear or so much fear out there is, is my partner going to love me in the future? We put so much fear out there um, instead of, does my partner love me right now? (laughs) And do I love my partner right now? And what can I do to make it better? What can I communicate? How can I explore maybe feelings that I have had coming up or thoughts that I have been coming up that are outside of that dyad? Um, I think that's a huge, a huge piece of fear that holds folks back from just talking about this and talking about non-monogamy and um, even closer friendships because they're worried if they bring it up now they're saying they're giving up on what they have or that it's right. not enough. But even sometimes they're just saying the communication alone can create more of that. Mm-hmm. When the first place I see my clients struggle is when they bring up what is a growth piece for them. They're like, look, I, I, I've achieved some real growth and I can feel it and see it. And I know it's happening in me and their partner mm-hmm. feels threatened. Their partner yes. feels a lack, a loss. Anxiety turns into fear, right? Anxiety is about that, that amorphous thing, fear out into the future. But the fear now is like whew, collapsed on the moment. And now we're afraid that we're not enough for our partner right now, or something's changed that we have no control over. 
Mm-hmm. And in that moment is a wonderful opportunity to just slow down next to each other and be like, okay, I'm going to need to incorporate that. Like that's new and that's, it's fine. It's okay to take a beat right now and say, wow, I, I didn't, I didn't see this coming. And it's okay to be afraid. Fear is neutral, you know, like until you act on it, just like jealousy is neutral till you act on it. Anger is neutral till you act on it. If we can just wait for a moment and let ourselves breathe before we take action based on what we just heard from our partner. Mm-hmm. Mm. What's happening internally that is causing this fear or anxiety or jealousy? How many people even slow down to ask themselves that question? Right. right. Um, I think you recently did a TikTok uh, talking about that. Um, yeah. I was like, yes, everyone needs to watch this. Um, of just slowing down. I mean, this is our body, our brain telling us something's up, even if we're unable to recognize something's up, right? Exactly. Um, we're not as smart as we think we are, <laughs> but our bodies and are. Right? Our bodies are, <laughs> but we have but, to get access to that knowledge. Yeah. We have to get access to it. And a lot of us, I know I came late to having access to that knowledge, mm. that, that ability to translate what the body is giving us a message to something we can act on, right? Because saying that the body has wisdom for you is pretty meaningless for a lot of people because they're like, yeah, well, I don't speak that language. So Mm. that's useless. I had to slow way down and let myself understand that the message wasn't going to be delivered in the way I was expecting. It wasn't going to come like a fortune cookie here. Here's your, here's your five word answer. Do this next. Instead, it was going to show up as a sensation that then I had to interpret. And that's what I do academically is I interpret other people's meaning making, right? I layer meaning making together. And Mm -hmm. what I find in my research time after time is that when jealousy comes up, most of us have a fear reaction that goes right. Like it shocks us right to the core and we take action really quickly or we shut down really quickly, shut down hard. Yeah. And if you can take a beat and just be with the fact that jealousy simply means that you fear a a connection, an interruption to the connection with your beloved. That's all it means. And from there, from that piece of knowledge, then we can start to figure out, okay, what do we do about that fear? Is it real? Is it imagined? Now we have a choice. What do we do? Now we have choices. We have a whole set of them. And now you're going to choose your own adventure book instead of in that fear space. And reactive. Um, you know, those bio responses, bio reactions, you know, a lot of people use different words for that, but that is that, you know, immediate response. And instead of you've said, slowing down, being aware and being like, okay, I know this feeling, this feeling is usually because something is threatening me. (laughs) What is threatening me one. Now, if I can name that, what do I want to do about that? How amazing would just any relationship romantic or not be? Thank you for telling me that actually brought up some fear for me. What if we could just say that sentence that is slowing down enough that we have the choice, right? Of what that, and instead of just that reactive and then being like, well, you're dumb too. Bye. You know, (laughs) slamming phones, sending dumb emojis, who knows what, but anybody, our whole world would be so healthy if we could slow down and say, wow. That's unpleasant. Right. Now I'm reacting. <laughs> like, I don't know. 
and it happens in so many settings. You're reminding me of what happens, how I had to learn um, to slow down during sex itself, mm. because you can be triggered this way during sex itself. Oh, now, you know, like you're down one road, you're trying to be erotic, you're in that space, but you get set off. Something provokes that, that fear response, or you get triggered in some way. How do you press the slow down button when you're when you're already doing this activity. And this is where I find people dissociate they, mm-hmm. or they, or they panic. Right. And it's okay. Like this, we, we can actually design your sex life to have space to slow down in it. It's, it's actually not even that complicated because the kink world has created a whole set of language around that. So the, the templates are there for letting all of us take a beat, take a minute and, and then come back together instead of dissociating. So leaving, abandoning ourselves or leaving our partner freaking out, sending that like mean text, whatever it is, mm-hmm. we don't have to be reactive because there are other tools. Like I take the concept of a safe word from the King community where we'd want to say like, Hey, that's a yellow light or that's a red light. And you know, red, it means stop. I take that right out. Like put that into your everyday life too. It's yes. great to just be able to have a code word for your partner and be like, Whoa. I am. I got to call time out. I have a funny code word with my partner because it helps us both remember like, oh, one of us is triggered. Okay. Mm-hmm. Slow down. And yeah. I'm so grateful to have that. So no matter what context you're in, these tools, these skills can really be helpful. I think that's so wonderful to just start normalizing that conversation too. Um, what can you can do in the bedroom can be outside in everyday life, right? Everyday consent is a thing. Everyday safe words are a thing. Um, and this is how we share our experiences, joint experiences as individuals, right. And still protect our energy, um, still respect someone else's I'm getting way above and beyond. And I'm just getting super like (laughs) so boxy right now, but, um, what are some examples that you have seen maybe some of that fear in, in yourself or your client and, or one of your clients, and then just being able to face that, take a moment to slow down and what's the next thing that they have tried? Yeah. So one of the big ones I find, um, you know, when I work with people frequently, what I'm doing is helping people who have an established relationship and they're trying to open up. Right. And mm-hmm. that's a different trick than if you're dating and you're like, I'm going to only see people who are into polyamory. They have something they love and they're trying to protect it at the same time. They're trying to be expansive. And so frequently a big, a, a big place where things will go off the rails is when we start to have conversations around what intimate contact actually is, what, Mm. like, what does it mean? So uh, we, if we don't already have a lot of language to talk to our partners about what sex is, um, literally what the acts are that are sexual and which ones aren't, you know, where does it start being sex? Where does Mm -hmm. it stop being friendship? And so often what happens is people get fear triggered because a partner did something say, they were kissing and there was a little below the belt action with a hand, right? One partner's like, whoa, they go full fear response because that Mm -hmm. to them, they're like, we crossed, that is a line. That is a line, that's sex. And the other partner's like, whoa, I just thought I was making out. And we agreed and we've been at parties and we've done that and it's been fine. So we, what's wrong? And so the ability to stay present to the fact that you, you didn't actually have 
the clear, complete, cohesive agreement that you thought you did, the more a client can slow down and be like, okay, just because I believe it to be true that this person violated our agreement actually doesn't mean that we did. I'm going to have to slow down enough to revisit. Did we have the language in place? Do I know what we're talking about? Or is what happened is my implicit expectations were violated. I thought we agreed, but we never quite got there. And maybe we didn't get there because I wasn't able to put words to it because it's scary, because I want to play at the edge of my comfort zone, but at the edge of my comfort zone, I don't have full languaging capacity. So mm -hmm. we're going to be playing in some murky waters. And so every time I work with somebody who comes to this spot, I remind them that this is where that's, that's going to be the, the beautiful spot to practice just slowing down, breathing, literally breathing, co-regulating our actual nervous systems, like heart to heart, a knees to knees hug, you know, like really silence, simple things to talk it out that we've simple learned stuff. as toddlers, but we forget yeah, as adults that are still effective. <laughs> exactly. So like right back to baseline strategies that they already have in place mm -hmm. and say, just so sh no words needed right now. Let your, let your bodies soothe. And for some people that means they need to go soothe on their own first and then yes. come back. So those people I'm like, okay, great. Set your phone timer for the amount of minutes. Tell your partner, you'll be back in 10 minutes. You'll be back in 12 minutes, whatever it is, come back now, co-regulate. And now from here, start with the most basic question, which is what about this was scary for you? Cause I want to understand how it was scary before I try to tell you why it shouldn't be scary for you. Just help me understand how it's scary for you. And this was something my own anchor partner really helped me do. He is so capable of being patient to the, I don't have Amazing. to, I don't have to feel it that way. I only need to understand that you do. So help me understand you. Yes. So you've got to slow everything down. And that right there, from there, you can have a conversation that gets you a clearer agreement. So you can go back out and enjoy some more play instead of just panicking, freaking out and closing back up again. And you, you should expect this experience. You should yeah. expect frequent negotiation and shared language and redefining what we thought. Yeah. We knew when we say second base, it's this, right? Hold on. That also, I didn't realize my own bias came out and I assumed it was this and yes, violated my definition of what this is but doesn't mean you're wrong and I'm right, or I'm wrong and you're right. It is, we just need to align more pointedly. You know, we need to just yeah. a couple more layers on. Didn't realize how big of a world is out there until you try to start defining it with separate people, right? Yes. You all have yeah. your own experiences. You all have your own assumptions. Um, that is definitely a big piece for my spouse. And I, I didn't mean to roll my eyes so horribly. <laughs> But that is, and it's, it's one that I'm just, I know my patience level gets tested when he is sharing with me the reason he's upset. And I'm like, mm, we've had this conversation and it's like, we have, and we will continue to have, but if we get upset that we're having the same conversation and that's the blocker instead of getting over that little piece of why are we having the same conversation? Um, I think, and then it goes both ways on different topics for both of us, right? We're both passionate exactly. or, or, um, we both have a fear, a hurt that's in the same realm or area. 
you know, and, and just to slow down and ask ourselves, okay, it's still coming up for a reason. Why? Right. Instead of just saying, we've had this conversation, Mariah, we've (laughs) made an agreement. Why aren't you following? And even if we've made the agreement, I've had to say, I'm also human that may need more reminders. I can't always think of every conversation and I'm just, I'm a very whim intuitive person. And so it's so hard for me to settle down and, and one of them, and this one we've gotten better over the years for sure, but it's the texting back when I'm out with friends or it's just like, Hey, little change in plans. I'm going to be an hour longer. I am. I don't even think of my phone. It is out of sight, out of mind. And it's never because my partner is out of sight, out of mind, and his needs are out of sight, out of mind, but it's more of, I'm, I'm just in the moment and I'm giving these people my full attention. And so for me to realize that was a need to communicate that, I mean, it has taken us 11 plus years to get there. Right? And it's something as simple right. as just a text. That's all in right. his mind. It's so simple. A text is really important that it shows me that you care and you want to inform me what's going on. It's not that you need my permission. It's not that I need to keep tabs. And, but let me tell you that language piece for us to just get there. It's a little example, but it can take years and years and years to define right. why are we both weird about it? <laughs> yeah. You know, I think the theory backs you up here too, because, you know, like the Gottman's research tells us that we're going to have some intractable arguments that we are going to just fight about forever. And I actually find a lot of peace in that because there are some things where you are just, you're just going to have this, this niggle, this like little, it just doesn't sit right. And it's so you just keep coming back. It's a thorn in the side of your relationship. And when I combine that with psychodynamic theory, and I think about how, when we have an early childhood wound, we Mm -hmm. will continually go back and recapitulate a new situation that lets us work through that. Cause we keep thinking we're going to be able to get a better result, get a different result. You combine those two theoretical pieces and like, Oh, is this actually my partner doing it? Or am I creating this argument over and over again from my side? Mm-hmm. And they have an answer. Like they are the complimentary, they're the answer to it. Right. And that's part of why we got together in the first place is because we had a good call and response. And that call and response isn't all positive, yummy stuff. It's also, do you fight back the way that my psyche recognizes as love, even though on paper, you're like, that is not love. I hate that. But your Mm -hmm. psyche recognizes it. What part of it is familiar? So you might have that same argument the whole time you're alive. And maybe that's not the problem. Maybe the problem is feeling bad that you have that argument. And instead it could start becoming, oh, yeah, we're still talking about that. So I guess this is part of my long-term work and not giving up on resolving it and letting it become more, but also letting yourself off the hook because you're human. And these things like many, many thinkers for many, 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 many centuries have considered these to be really normal human experiences. Mm -hmm. So maybe we don't have to fix it so much as we have to be present to this is how relationships are. And I can keep working on making it smoother and more enjoyable. But my, my fights that I have over and over again, I've noticed that the real win is when I can say, oh, I'm doing the thing. I can, I, I can own yeah. my side of it. I'm doing it. Okay. Uh-huh. I still think you're wrong. <laughs> I still think <laughs> you're wrong. I still like, I, I'm not ready to give up that, but I'm going to notice right now that I have a side of this too. And I just had one of those today in this very room with my partner. And 
it was a great moment for me to be like, yep, you're right. Yeah. You're right. I, I hear your side of the argument. I think you're wrong. And that's okay because that's not what this is actually about. I'm playing out a script. You could be, it wouldn't matter what you were doing right now because I'm playing out an old script. And so these are the opportunities that every relationship gives us. And if you're opening up, you just wind up multiplying that. You just have even more opportunities to work mm -hmm. this stuff out. And people often think that working that stuff out means finishing it or coming to conclusion. But I think it's more like, there's your material. That's your prima materia. You're going to be working that alchemically your whole life. So <laughs> it's okay. I was just hoping, you know, cell phones would all die one day. We wouldn't even ever have to worry about that, but it's, it's going to be something else. It's an underlying story as well. Um, but yeah, I hear the autonomy you want. There's some piece of you that's like, I want, I want my autonomy. I want my agency. I don't want to have to respond to that. So yeah, absolutely. I could imagine a bunch of other ways that that could poke that above the surface, <laughs> <Yes>. right? <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's not a bad thing because if that's a primary need that you have and you can recognize it, then you could also start making sure that you are addressing your desire for autonomy and agency in other places, which I know you do. I see, I see, I follow your socials. You do. And the more you do that, the less this need will be loud and onerous, right? Oh, so yes. keep at it. You're doing Thank the you. work. Thank you. Yeah. I just call myself the sassy asshole that's going to do whatever the hell I want all the time. Um, but that really is. And, um, you know, it's, it's really powerful for me to recognize that because then I can either shelve it, decide to shelve that need for a moment to get to a deeper connection with my spouse, if we want, or to hold fast and say, no, this is such a big piece of me. I don't want this to go right now. Um, just like you said, filling it, finding in other ways to feel that. Um, and, and I think that comes up for so many people when they are recognizing I just hung out with somebody or met somebody, or I've been with this friend and I feel really good. Maybe it's, it feels so good. It feels like everything's fantastic and beautiful and lovely, right? Like every new relationship until the little things start coming through and you're like, Oh, okay. We have differences. That's good. I'm glad that you're not a clone of me. Um, and and that's, that can be scary. That can be a threat to their established relationship and not even sharing those feelings with a partner and having to navigate those complicated worries of society has told me, if I have this, I need to just either drop that person, go after this new one or swallow it down and forget it and ignore it. And then try to cut off all ties with this new person. Yeah. Scary. I, mean, we have a, I don't want to live we that have way. A lot. Right. We, there are a whole bunch of schools of thought coming out of the, you know, marriage and family therapy world, right. That say control and manage all thirds. There should be no thirds. We do not want any, any intrusion. Right. But I don't think that's reasonable. And here's why I studied je jealousy from archetypal perspective and jealousy is it's essential. It's this, it's like anger or beauty or love. It's not going anywhere. So mm. when you try to not have any triangles, it's going to pop back up like a beach ball you're holding underwater. Jealousy is going to pop up where you least want it to. And so instead of trying to manage all thirds by destroying them, by getting rid of them, I would say, what if instead you understand that that's an essential way that you are as a human 
and you figure out where the boundaries are. And so if your boundary is around sexuality, cool, then you have a lot of work to do around defining the difference between intimacy in a friendship and intimacy in a romantic relationship. And you have to do that for yourself because there is no um, like certifying body that's going to give you a, a list. There is no <laughs> list. You have to figure that out. So there's your opportunity to figure it out for yourself. But it's scary to people. We want to imagine that there just is a right and a wrong. And mm-hmm. I wish it were that simple, but it's just not that simple. Ask 10 people what intimacy is. You're going to get 10 different answers. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've, I'm hearing those, you know, intimacy, romantic, you know, romance, love. There's so many different definitions. And, and even when you think you found one that you feel really good about, life is going to continue and you're going to add or take away and that definition yes. is going to morph. So yeah. it is not a static thing, even for, from person to person. It's, it's, it's of course being aware, checking in with yourself, checking in with your partner and partners, checking in with friends. Oh my gosh. Like it's not, it's a tall order. It is. I'm telling you, it's a tall order. You're going to be working for it. Um, but it's also very, very rewarding when you can call that stuff out. I mean, I'm sure if you had to do it all over again, and if you decided to shut down those feelings, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is an impossible thing to ask, but where do you think you would be? Yeah. You know, you're asking this at a really good time because I think up until even a few months ago, I might've said, oh, I probably would have put my life back together and I'd be really shut down. But, you know, I'd have this like life that looks like it fits in a box. But I had a breakthrough in my own therapeutic process recently where I realized that what was being asked of me was to swallow my feelings and and deny them, not even to just like not act on them, but to deny them. And mm-hmm. um, I recognize now looking back at my own journals, I'm like, oh, there was some suicidal ideation there. There was a real desire to no longer inhabit my own body because I was being told to contradict my, my own self. Right. And I was very willing to control my behavior. I did not have any sexual contact with that person for six months. Like the person in question, my marriage was over and, and I was divorced before that picked up, but I couldn't deny the feelings. So I think if I had to go back, I wouldn't actually change anything because the one thing I did right was I owned those feelings and I rejected the premise that I should deny that I was having feelings because I knew it was going to kill me. Wow. Yeah. So powerful. And it's a story. I think a lot of people can relate to, right? I mean, it's definitely a big part of my history growing up in a, a strict religious home and telling me everything sexual is wrong. Um, and so that was really hard. And now, um, being able to be, I can't believe how comfortable, satisfied, healthy, happy. I am, even though I was told all of those things weren't, are impossible to exist. If I am openly sexual, if I am sex positive, if I'm, you know, um, not monogamous, all of these things were, I was told, but I can't be told that I have to go discover it. Everyone has to go discover that we're still learning about the human experience. Um, each individual is so, so different. So thank you so much for taking 
this time to validate all of those feelings for so many people, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of us are in committed long-term relationships and these new thoughts are coming up, maybe not new thoughts, um, new, uh, awareness of those thoughts and taking time to ask, why are they coming up? What's happening? Um, is this scary? It gets to be, it's fine being scary. It's fine to, um, have that fear, but what are you going to do now that you've recognized it? So now we've just given you some choice, but yeah, thank you so much for bringing all of that up. Um, you've worked really hard to establish your brand, but also just, um, the education you've received. So where can folks find you and be able to borrow all of that hard work? (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, because we talked about wondering what these feelings might be, if you have that, that question, if that question is, is working its way into your mind, I actually made a quiz You can find it at joliequiz.com, J-O-L-I-Q-U-I-Z. And that is designed, it's short, it's concise, it's very BuzzFeed style, but I built it out of my actual research. So it's a 10 question quiz designed to help you understand where you are um, and if you are ready to open up. And if you're not, I tell you, because that is not the right solution for everyone. Lots of people need foundations to their relationship before they consider taking the next step. And there's not an all or nothing here. There are lots of ways you can go about this. So yeah, go to joliequiz.com to find out that. And um, also, if you're interested in what I've been talking about, and you know, I, I spoke about my husband a few times, he and I have a podcast, it's called Project Relationship. And I think it's a great one for people to listen to if they haven't had the opportunity to hear couples having these conversations, because Ken and I talk this stuff mm-hmm. through our actual stuff. And so I would love it if listeners trundled on over there and gave it a listen because getting that perspective from people who are in the questions can be really affirming and calming for the nervous system. Like I'm not alone (laughs) in wanting to have these conversations. There are other people out there doing that. Yes. You can be healthy and go through hard things. (laughs) It's okay. Absolutely. It's okay. It's okay. Oh, that's wonderful. I really appreciate it. And thank you for being brave enough to go and explore that, to ask those questions, to not let others, you know, uh, snuff out that light. So I really appreciate that. And it's, I'm going to take full advantage and, um, look all of that stuff up. But if anyone is curious, knowing more of about our podcast, who I am, what I do, you can visit saltysexcast.com. Please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It help us. It just helps us get out to more folks. And um, if you're interested in just some more fun content, you can join our Patreon community at patreon.com forward slash salty sex cast. And so we use all of those um, monies. <laughs> That's not what I was donation. That just revenue. To go back, yeah. Right. <laughs> go right back into the podcast. Um, so we can stay ad free and our message stays true to our mission. So thank you all for tuning in. I will see you all next week. And Jolie, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Mariah. Bye. Thank you for listening to the salty sex cast. Ready for round two? Find us on Facebook.